Hi, welcome back, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us with NVIDIA. Uh, before we start, quickly, I have to read a safe harbor. For important disclosures, please see the Morgan Stanley Research Disclosure website at www.morganstanley.com slash research disclosures. If you have any questions, please reach out to your Morgan Stanley sales representative. So with that out of the way, uh, I'm Joe Moore from the Morgan Stanley Semiconductor team. Uh, very happy to have with us today the CFO of NVIDIA, Colette Kress. Uh, <clears throat> welcome, Colette. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Sure, anytime. Um, <clears throat> so maybe, you know, you just reported very strong numbers, obviously, uh, and you continue to be dealing with pretty significant shortages. So maybe we could start there. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you've had this tight supply situation. It keeps intensifying. And very clearly, that's because demand is really good, particularly in the gaming space. But given that supply is the binding constraint on your revenue growth, I want to understand kind of what the issues are. And is it you need another fab cycle to catch up where it's just you – the business is better than you'd forecast, <clears throat> or is there an absolute inability to get wafers or inability to get substrates or things like that that you need? Yeah, thanks, Joe. So, Joe, I'm going to take an also a little um, uh, stop here to make a, a forward-looking uh, statement as well. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, uh, throughout our discussion today, uh, we may be uh, discussing forward-looking statements, and this is an opportunity for folks to make sure that they read our uh, information that we supply to the SEC through our 10-K and make sure that they understand our risks uh, that we have identified at that time. But let me kind of go back to your question. Uh, that um, uh, talks about uh, supply. Um, but honestly, before we can really talk about supply, we really have to understand what we are facing, which is strong demand. Uh, we do have strong demand um, across our portfolio, uh, really strong demand as it moved into the overall holiday season and with our overall launch of our Ampere architecture uh, for gaming. And uh, we've been working um, as best as we can to continue to improve the supply. But we do expect that supply, um, or excuse me, that demand will be greater than supply for most of this year. Our channel inventory at this time is lean in our overall gaming business. Now, no one specific form of inventory or inventory component uh, we could call out at this time uh, because it really is tied across the board and it takes all of those different pieces uh, to make sure we can provide uh, for um, our overall demand that is out there. But our demand is high. We do expect to grow and we certainly, based on what we have communicated in terms of our expectations for the first quarter, that we will certainly have the inventory for that. We've employed a dual foundry strategy. Uh, we work with both TSMC and Samsung and in really the high-end uh, type of overall computing, which has really benefited us during this overall environment. Our purchasing cycles, our contracts that we use uh, with our vendors, uh, with our suppliers, continues to be more and more longer term in nature so that we can secure throughout this time and have consistency in the amount that we are pulling uh, from our overall suppliers. So our overall operation team is executing well. Uh, we do ex expect supply to increase uh, consistently as we move through this year. That's very helpful. Thank you. And maybe we could talk in this big picture. You know, I want to get into Ampere and some of the specific success you're seeing there, but just the general strength of gaming 
you know, how do you guys think about that? Because you've talked about, you know, everyone should be a gamer and we're going to increase the population. And clearly that was really accelerated with COVID, uh, you know, work from home environment where people are limited in terms of things they can do really seems conducive to, to spending money on gaming. At the same time, it does seem like there's a sustained increase in people who are who are experiencing gaming. And so, you know, how do you weigh those two factors? How do you, you know, think about the sustainability beyond this year uh, when you sort of increase the, ga- the population of gamers and the people buying cutting edge hardware by such a significant amount? Yeah, so I think I think we have to step back and really kind of assess what are what are we seeing um, in terms of Ampere? What is Ampere? Why this significant uh, type of growth that we're seeing? We did launch our Ampere architecture uh, with the overall high end. We launched it for the 3090, the 3080, and the 3070. It came out and was extremely well received. It has probably been our best ever launch uh, with our overall Ampere for overall gaming. And our volume um, in the segment of just the 3090, 3080, and 3070 um, is really showing probably more than 40% quarter over quarter growth. So extremely strong. Our 3060 uh, desktop GPUs that we just launched, uh, as we discussed last week in our earnings, essentially vaporized uh, vaporized when we went to launch. Uh, so um, we're continuing to work to supply additional 3060s into the market. But what we're seeing is the excitement uh, for overall gaming, um, gaming not only on desktops, but laptop GPUs with the 70 plus models that we also launched back at CES is an important driver of what we're seeing in this demand. Uh, A powerful upgrade cycle, I think is an important thing to keep in mind. Right now we have less than 15% of probably 200 million um, overall installed base that are only on RTX. So essentially, we've got 85% of our installed base that can still be able to upgrade and experience overall ray tracing. A huge incentive, therefore, to upgrade. Uh, You have more than 2x uh, the overall performance improvement and 2x the power efficiency from Turing. That doesn't even comment in terms of what we see in terms of the performance improvement that you have with Pascal. Pascal being two generations prior, it is an amazing performance improvement for people that want to overall upgrade. But now you have seen that ray tracing is also uh, really an industry standard. Um, NVIDIA was the one that put it out in terms of real ray tracing uh, with the unique capability to also include DLSS or essentially using AI to have that unique ray tracing without a loss of performance. So you see more than three dozen games that are out there uh, to support overall ray tracing and some of the most important games that are out there, Fortnite, the number one battle royale game, Cyberpunk uh, 2077, uh, the number one role playing. And keep in mind, even Minecraft, the best selling game of all time is out there um, uh, to support it. So what we saw in these last couple quarters, an important um, quarters as it really just fueled the excitement around gaming, probably in a way 
um, pulled in terms of um, the excitement. And we see more and more gamers now entering the market new uh, because it has become even a bigger and better social and entertainment sport as many of them are working from home. So correct, we believe that all will be gamers eventually. And what they just did was start earlier, start earlier in that process. But when you start the process and you become a gamer, you're always a gamer. So I think this is something that we'll see continue moving forward as people get excited about the ability to play with their friends in a very safe environment, in a very virtual environment, whether they are at home with a desktop or with a mobile laptop as we move forward. Yeah, that is very helpful. Thank you. So yeah, you've started at the high end of the market with Ampere and you've moved kind of now to 3060, as you said, as mainstream. That seems pretty positive for the rest of the year because you really have put up these very large numbers with sort of without a full Ampere product portfolio. And certainly even the older product uh, is not on shelves anymore. So it, it, it seems like a, a very good backdrop. Uh, so can you, can you talk about that a little bit? And then, and then you know, you mentioned the investment in ray tracing. Uh, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem with technologies like that. And I know you saw that with programmable shaders a decade ago too, where you introduced the, the, the hardware and then the software comes later. It seems like we now are at the sweet spot uh, for that. But uh, uh, so generally it just seems like, uh, you know, we don't, we should have a very strong backdrop for demand, certainly beyond this quarter, as you said. Yes. So what we what we had seen was uh, strong demand for Ampere um, in the um, high uh, level of the cards that we uh, produced in Q4. Uh, gamers are continuing to enter into the market and or refresh by what we refer to as buying up the stack. And so we're getting an average um, overall card that continues to move up generation for generation. Uh, so our units uh, were supply constrained in total, but remember more than 40% of the quarter over quarter improvement was really selling that overall high end. Now, bringing the overall mainstream 3060 GPUs, we talk about this uh, 30 overall series and that overall 60 class as an important area. It's mainstream, it is a volume overall skew or what we refer to as a sweet spot. So our visibility that we see as we provided our overall guidance for Q1 and what we will be, uh, will be a strong overall gaming demand as it continues throughout the year is really fueled by what we're seeing in terms of the access, acceptance even on day one, but also after even being in market, we have low channel inventories at this time, and we're also in the early stages of the full upgrade opportunity as we had just launched the high end of the stack and are just now moving uh, to the overall 3060. So we have a ways to go, um, uh, but again, uh, we do believe that visibility of excitement over gaming, excitement on our architecture is fueling what we're seeing in terms of our visibility. Great, and I just had a couple more gaming questions. I, the, one of the, the real growth drivers for you guys over really even predating Ampere has been mobile gaming uh, and notebook gaming. You guys have enabled some new form factors and it's pretty impressive gaming performance. Can you talk about that? And then, I, you know, you had just launched Ampere mobile products. You know, where, where are you with Ampere in the mobile space? Yeah, so we've uh, been quite excited uh, to see uh, both the adoption 
um, and the excitement out there for gamers regarding the laptops. We essentially created a market for high performance laptops, but also that mobility in the terms of the thin and light. We refer to that as our Max-Q. Now our Max-Q is on our third generation in terms of assisting the OEM manufacturers on how to engineer that in terms of 50% the size, 50% of the weight, but more than 10X the performance improvement of our, over time. Laptops right now, gaming laptops, is probably the fastest growing gaming platform that's out there. It is up 7X in just seven years. Q4, for example, was our 12th consecutive quarter of double-digit year-over-year growth in our overall laptops. Our RTX 30 series laptops launch was one of our largest launches ever with more than 70 plus different devices. So we're on our second generation of ray tracing, uh, which is also extremely helpful for uh, the gamers to know that they can also do ray tracing on our laptops and not just have to uh, purchase it for the overall de desktops. We have a very large upgrade opportunity as well here. We've got 50 million GeForce laptop gamers at this time. 95% of that installed base is, before, is below performance of what they might see in terms of new consoles uh, going forward. The 3060 series laptops is 30% faster than what you can get uh, with PS5. So important overall things that can be done. But additionally, it also opens up a market to creatives that are out there. The creative community, the independent community that focuses on their craft, their craft that works on catalogs, photos, all of these different things. There are 45 million creatives that can benefit from the Ampere Studio laptops that we are also uh, putting out in market. So we see this is a great opportunity to improve their rendering um, as our Ampere uh, laptops offer 5X improvement versus what we had seen in Pascal. So lean overall channel inventory out there, uh, but I highly recommend those laptops as well. Great, um, it's a good color. I think um, maybe you could talk a little bit about cryptocurrency mining and um, you gave some color on the call about kind of one to 300 million of trailing revenue. I know you guys have taken action to make sure that your gaming cards end up in the hands of gamers to the extent that you can. Um, but just, you know, cryptocurrency has been a little bit disruptive for you guys in the past. It seems like your gaming business is a lot bigger now, but maybe just put that into perspective for us and where do you see that one to 300 million going over the rest of the year between, you know, specialty crypto products versus gaming? Yeah, let, let's step back and um, uh, comment about where we were in Q4, what we saw in Q4. Um, I just want to re, uh, uh, make sure everybody understands that our ability to see exactly how our overall cards are being used um, and unique ways that are being used, such as cryptocurrency um, mining, is not something that we are able to see. Uh, the privacy uh, that our overall products uh, will continue to have in terms of uh, how users are using it, 
but also the ability for them to create new uses is what we're seeing in terms of the overall GPOs. So we had given out an estimate, an estimate that was referring to what analysts had marked in terms of what they saw in our overall Q4 results, meaning we do not have access to those models. Uh, we do not have a good understanding of how they concluded in terms of those ranges. But in fact, in our Q4 revenue and our Q1 guidance, uh, we probably would have had the exact same numbers with or without crypto, as gaming demand is well ahead of our available supply, um, and we needed to refill those very low levels in the terms of the channel inventories. So the inventory that became available, became available in terms of uh, retail, really took quite a significant amount of time uh, for those to uplift and will take time over the next couple quarters to do so. So our revenue would have been the same with or without if there is uh, crypto in our overall gaming business. We believe the situation though for crypto is quite different than what we had seen in the pre previous cycle that we had. For one, we have a very large installed base, a large installed base that can produce some of the same hash rate levels that we're seeing today. That large installed base has the potential to reactivate at this time. Additionally, we see ASICs that are in the market, ASICs that can also address mining and mining for Ethereum as well. And we are at the start of a new architecture versus the last time in this previous cycle, we were at, at the tail end of a um, architecture and moving to transition. So therefore at this time, our channel inventory is very low. Our strong demand from our gamers is probably the main contributor um, and is driving our overall type supply. So we created the overall CMP. Our CMT stands for our crypto mining processor. We created it for our professional miners as we will start shipping to them in the March timeframe. We have put into our guidance in Q1 approximately 50 million for CMP in Q1, um, though it could be more. And we have indicated that at the end of the quarter, we will make sure that we articulate and provide transparency of how much we sold of the overall CMP board. This was also an opportunity for us to look at the 3060 that we just launched and make sure that we were tailoring that just for gaming. We did that by reducing the efficiency of doing hashing for mining with the overall 3060. Essentially, that card is best engineered now for our overall gamers. We believe these two uh, pieces that we put in place uh, for crypto at this time will allow us to separate the markets um, as best as we can, separate the market for gamers, and separate the market for the overall miners. Great. And I know gamers do appreciate you trying to get products into the, their hands, um, so that's good to hear. Uh, so maybe shifting to HPC and cloud, you know, a, a number of impressive growth drivers. Obviously, you've you've had a phenomenal run over the last several years. Can, can you just talk generally about what's, you know, the, the drivers of that business, and then we can go into some of the pieces from there. Yes. So what we are experiencing right now in our high-performance computing and our cloud is 
in as parts of our overall data center business is we're far outpacing the industry at this time. NVIDIA is growing um, at a time when many others are not. We saw the industry decline sequentially uh, into Q4. We saw them also from an industry perspective discuss in terms of between Q4 and Q1 that they will also be down, maybe down approximately 20%. But what we are seeing at NVIDIA is growth, growth sequentially between Q3 and Q4, and we also anticipate growth between Q4 and Q1. This is an important time that even in uh, the overall lockdowns that we have seen, the importance of the cloud, the importance of high-performance computing and AI solutions is so important and vital to enterprises, hyperscales, and many other types of companies around there. What we've seen in Q4 was our compute uh, reach double digits quarter over quarter growth, uh, better than our outlook uh, that we had anticipated as well. We're seeing strong growth in terms of the vertical industries. Our vertical industries and key um, areas of focus have been supercomputing, financial services, higher education, as well as also the consumer internet companies that are out there. This gives them an opportunity to adopt the overall cloud usage or move to an on-premise solution as well. And therefore, from an on-premise um, solution, they may choose our DGXs. We had strong growth in our DGX, strength both in our CSPs, our higher education, in term, as well as healthcare. But what we're seeing in terms of the overall cloud presence, the cloud uh, presence is an important area for our vertical industries to start, sometimes remain, or continue to move to build it in terms of on-premise. Our hyperscales have been very excited about Ampere and have really tried to put Ampere into the cloud as fast as they can really working on that qualification and working with NVIDIA in terms of to smooth that overall movement to the cloud of the new overall architecture. And we actually have seen that over the last couple quarters, and we know that there is more room to grow in terms of with our hyperscale in terms of expanding the cloud. Great, that's very helpful. I, I think, you know, thinking about the compute part of this, and it's been hard to predict from quarter to quarter, but when I sort of look at the big wave of investment that you saw a couple of years ago around really computer vision, deep learning as applied to vision applications, you know, now you're looking at natural language and the, the models uh, will have a million times the number of parameters as what we saw with vision models. I mean, this sort of demonstrable increase in complexity um, and, and the application set seems to increase. So it seems like there, there's a lot of growth potential in that business. You know, where are we in the adoption of that? I mean, it's probably you know, a little over a year ago that Google started saying, you know, the BERT transformer is kind of the most important element of their business. Uh, you know, where are we in terms of deep learning as applied to the natural language recommendation and things like that? It seems like we're still at a relatively early stage. Yes, um, we are in the early stages, definitely in terms of the growth of AI. I, I comment um, often that I say, we'll look back, we'll look back at this time and what we thought was we knew a lot about AI, we knew a lot about solutions, we will learn that it was truly, truly in the early days. But there's 
important things that have grown over the last couple of years. We refer to these models. You refer to BERT. The understanding that you can leverage overall AI to improve that conversational AI or that natural language processing is what we um, talk about. That natural language processing is really fueling the use of voice, the use of voice and translation in terms of multiple language, or the use of voice to translate from speech uh, to words um, and words back in terms of overall speech. There are so many different use cases that can um, occur. Not only what you're seeing in terms of the hyperscale's focus on search, but you also know that the enterprises see this as an improvement opportunity uh, to their call centers, their support centers that they do, if they can use AI uh, to better serve um, and service their overall customers. Those models, though, are quite, quite complex. Quite complex, we see them growing. We see them doubling every few months up to 30,000x in five years is what we've seen the overall model complexity do. So that is one big thing that natural language processing has added, but we're also seeing the surge of overall recommendator engines. Recommendator engines were important to overall hyperscales, but you now see consumer internet companies also understanding the importance of drawing folks to their sites and consumers uh, to um, realize their overall services that they have. So this drives not only model complexity, but it also drives overall inference. Inference is a major driver and a fast growing part of our cloud at this time. And so we're seeing more and more uh, adoption of A100 and its form factor. To remind you, A100 is quite unique in terms of how we built that system uh, for our overall hyperscales and our enterprises. It is a system that can accomplish both training of models and also be used for inferencing. It gives that overall flexibility, the universal use to support high-performance computing, to um, support overall AI, and to support many different forms of AI from training to overall inferencing. This has really um, fueled uh, the simplistic ability to purchase, to deploy, and the flexibility to change it through their overall ownership. And that is what these big waves um, in the business um, and the improvements that we have seen from the early days of AI. Great. So we have about Five more minutes. Um, I'll take one question from the webcast now, which is, um, you know, the question probably I'm asked quite frequently. It's competition from hyperscale solutions like Google's TPU or, you know, I, I think Amazon's premium. Uh, does that pose a threat to NVIDIA's long-term market share? Yeah, so there's always discussion um, about uh, startups, um, uh, custom ASICs, um, will some build their own chips and how does that come through? Now, what we have built and what is unique about NVIDIA is we're approaching this market to support it from a full system perspective. Not only are we focused on a high performance chip, but as you can see, we think about the chip, we think about the system, we think about the software, and the future solutions that will be supporting that. That allows us to provide the whole 
um, uh, complete solution for whatever they may need to do today and what they need to do going forward. Fusing all of that together, supporting our overall CUDA and supporting our overall development uh, for overall developers on there is a very big thing. CUDA is already in V11, and that's an important um, uh, continued growth that we're seeing. We already have 2.3 million developers on our platform, and we have more than 6 million CUDA downloads just in last year. So the important thing is people continue to turn towards NVIDIA because it gives you that full stack in order to do that. Whether or not you are starting a brand new application or you have um, continued with the work that we have provided with CUDA-X and the many overall SDKs that we have offered, you continue to have the option to jump into overall CUDA and design and write your own for how you do that. I think our work in terms of MLPerf has really shown that our overall uh, performance continues to be the best performance that is out there, better than 7x for any AI or 2x in terms of any traditional HPC versus a lot of the overall competition that is out there. That performance continues to bring people to us and our performance in MLPerf continues to be an important benchmark that people use to choose. From time to time, there may be workloads that are static uh, commodity that they may choose a custom ASIC to do. But as we've talked about, as we're in the early stages of AI that will be with us for many decades to come, really continuing to move with a platform that is evolving all the time and the innovation is going to be very key to support a very fast-growing market. Great. So thank you for that. So I think I'll wrap up with one final question on your automotive business. Maybe if you could talk about the Mercedes deal uh, that you announced second half of last year and both, you know, what you're doing for them and what kind of time frame and then maybe some of the economics of that deal where it seems like there's some, uh, you know, revenue sharing that takes place above and beyond just a hardware sale. We are very excited about our deal with uh, Mercedes, really a transformational deal, not only for us, but for the industry as a whole. We do believe a lot of people are looking at our deal and how it was overall structured. So we are providing Mercedes with our full technology stack, spanning from the data center and the data center with its infrastructure and development, as well as in-car AI. The cars will be software-defined and upgradable over the life of the vehicle. And what we see right now is Mercedes sells probably about 2 million cars a year. So let's take an example. If you assume that probably about $10,000 per car uh, in software is sold for autonomous types of cars, kind of similar to what we see in the market for overall Tesla, that's an opportunity of revenue to be split between NVIDIA and Mercedes um, uh, in software for us, outside of also the purchase in terms of the actual hardware that will sit inside of the Mercedes card. This is a very large multi-billion dollar opportunity for us. 
the deal is not exclusive and can strike similar deals with others in the industry. So we have now built a multi-billion dollar design win pipeline that will drive probably an inflection in revenue in the next couple of years. Okay, great. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. I didn't get all my questions, but that was a great overview. And thank you so much for the time today and good luck. Thanks, Joe, for having us. Appreciate it.